Greetings in the name of the Triune God. Welcome to the Rural Midwestern Pastor Podcast. My name is David Johnson, and I am blessed to pastor the rural congregation known as Samanach Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us as we explore together how the scriptures declare the good news that God's kingdom has come to us in Jesus. If you'd like more information on our rural congregation, please visit samanachbaptistchurch.org. That's S-O-M-O-N-A-U-K, baptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening. May grace, peace, and everything good be yours in King Jesus. Good morning. Welcome to the online gathering for Samanach Baptist Church. My name is David Johnson. I serve as the pastor here at SBC. If you live locally, we would love to welcome you to an in-person gathering. We meet in person at 10 a.m. each Sunday. We would love to welcome any and all to come and worship King Jesus with us. This online gathering is gonna be called to worship in a few moments by a reading from Psalm 126. Before we're called to worship, just a couple of announcements, SBC family. Just go ahead and assume that I've made all of our normal announcements about collecting money for the Thomases uh, and their ministry in Poland on behalf of Ukrainian refugees. Um, Also, I've made announcements about our Monday Bible study, about our Wednesday evening Bible study, etc., because I've got more important announcements to make. First, Holy Week is fast approaching. Next Sunday, April 10th, is Palm Sunday. Please join us for a special Palm Sunday worship gathering. That kicks off the events of Holy Week. Maundy Thursday of next week is April 14th, and we are having a special Maundy Thursday worship gathering here with Sandwich Church of the Nazarene and Pastor Matthew at 6 p.m. here at SBC. So, Sandwich Church of the Nazarene brothers and sisters will be joining us. Pastor Matthew will be joining us here while we host a special Maundy Thursday worship gathering. Good Friday, the very next day, is April 15th. SBC, we will be joining churches from Sandwich and Samanach for a community Good Friday worship gathering. This year, that will be hosted at the United Church of Sandwich. That is the cross that is across the street from Sandwich High School on Lions Road. That service begins at 6:30. So our Good Friday worship gathering with other churches from the area is at the United Church of Sandwich. And then on Easter Sunday, we'll be having one Easter celebration here, Sunday, April 17th, here at Samanach Baptist Church. We're called to worship this morning by a reading from Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bear the seed for sparing the seed for sowing, shall come home. 
with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. This is God's word. Let us pray. King Jesus, I lift up before you all of the tears of all who have gathered here on this, the Lord's day. May we recognize that by faith in Jesus, those tears can become, can become seeds that one day will be gathered together into a harvest of joy and we will be able to say like the Old Testament people of God, the Lord has done great things for us and we have rejoiced. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace this day to love what you command and desire what you promise, that among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our reading from the Gospel on this fifth Sunday of Lent is found in John chapter 11. I'm going to start reading in verse 55, and we are going to read all the way through chapter 12, verse 11. John 11, 55 through 12, 1. Now, the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and were asking one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think? Surely he will not come to the festival, will he? Now, the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who knew where Jesus was should let them know so that they might arrest him. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There, they gave a dinner for him. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well, since it was on account of him that many of the Jews were deserting and were believing in Jesus. This is the gospel of King Jesus. Let us pray. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was tempted in every way as we are yet did not sin, 
By his grace, we are able to triumph over every evil and to live no longer for ourselves alone, but for him who died for us and rose again. Lord Jesus, I'm reminded this morning of the time when you unrolled the scroll of Isaiah and found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Lord Jesus, by the Spirit, you live and move among us. Give us ears to listen as you tell us to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our souls, and with all our strength, and with all our mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. You tell, this to, you tell us to do this, and we will live. Lord Jesus, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Lord Jesus, by the Spirit, we confess with Paul that you are near, so we rejoice. Give us faith to not worry about anything, but in everything with thanksgiving to let our requests be made known to God. God of resurrection and renewal, we bring our prayers to you as acts of love for you, and for our neighbors, because you are near, Lord, hear our prayer. You bring new life even where hope has died. We pray for ourselves and those dear to us. Lord Jesus, you brought the hope of resurrection into the death of your beloved friend Lazarus home. We ask you to bring hope, resurrection hope to those whose eyes are weary with crying. May they look to you in hope, Lord, because you are near. Hear our prayer. Your word breaks all chains. We pray for our community and for our neighbors. Lord Jesus, you are near to us and you are near to those who have doubts. You are near to those who are afraid. You are near to those who carry heavy burdens. We ask that you would use us as a community of Jesus Christ to be near to the brokenhearted, to have drawn to us by the Spirit of God those who have doubts, those who have fears. May we have a long table in this space. Welcoming those with questions, welcoming those with doubts. May we be a family of those who have hospitality for those who don't yet believe, for those who are coming to believe, and for those who on their best days believe. Because you are near to us, we look to you in hope, Lord. Hear our prayer. Give us this day the oil of gladness, the mantle of praise. We pray for the church in all places, especially the church in Ukraine, the church in Russia, and us, the church here in Samanach, that we may be faithful in unity across generations and geography. Lord, give each of us, no matter our generation, no matter our geography, 
the desire for unity that transcends preference, that transcends traditions of men, that transcends what we're used to. But may we desire in Jesus to welcome and love those he welcomed and loved. Because you are near, we look to you in hope, Lord. Hear our prayer. God, whose grace touches us in our unworthiness, come near to us and speak your healing word. Reveal to us this day the glory of God, that we might listen to your voice and walk in your ways through Jesus, our Lord, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all of us said together, Amen. The text that I want us to pay attention to together on this fifth Sunday of Lent is our gospel reading. John 11, starting in verse 55 through chapter 12, verse 11. The title of my message this morning is Aroma. Would you pray together with me, please, one more time? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God remains forever. So now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer, and all of us said together, amen. Mothballs, a strange mixture of exhaust, oil, and perhaps sweat fish, and wet sand. Chlorine used to shock pools in North Dallas. The woman's fragrance, Vanderbilt. Musk speed stick deodorant. Blacktop in the summertime. Aqua Velva aftershave. Well water that smells a bit like sulfur. Each of these fragrances for me is attached to a specific place and distinctive memory. Do certain smells transport you like they do me to a certain time and place and even into the presence of a particular person from your past? Mothballs take me back to my grandmother's apartment in Centralia, Illinois. Fish and wet sand take me back to our summertime fishing hole. The smell of campfires takes me back to chilly evenings camping near Wren Lake at Wayne Fitzgerald State Park in Southern Illinois. Vanderbilt perfume takes me back to consumer economics class, junior year of high school, sitting directly behind my girlfriend at the time. 
The smell of a certain kind of popcorn takes me back to Friday night home basketball games in the late 1990s. Aromas have a mysterious ability to attach to memories and even transport us subconsciously to places and experiences where good things have happened, but also bad memories can attach to a certain fragrance. There is a certain kind of antiseptic that has a specific smell, the, the kind hospice nurses use to gently care for those entrusted to them. That smell, combined with the smell of cigarettes and a smell that I associate with IV bags, takes me back to the home of Sherry, Jamie, and Jill. These three teenaged sisters were part of our student ministry and their relatively young father, John, was dying from liver disease. That was the first death I was in the room for. And whenever I smell that kind of antiseptic, those cigarettes, those IV bags, I vividly remember that living room where John left this life. That kitchen where we played cards after he died that back porch where a new widow enjoyed a cigarette so she could find a way to calm her heart down. In our gospel lesson this morning, Jesus and his dear friends, sisters Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus, find themselves in the realm of smells and memories. As Jesus pays them a visit just a few days before he enters Jerusalem for the events we know as Holy Week. Bethany is one of Jerusalem's closest suburbs, kind of like Oak Park and Evanston are to Chicago. Only 1.72 miles from Jerusalem's city limits, Bethany and the siblings who reside there are very important to Jesus. The last time he visited Bethany, the smell of death hung heavy in the atmosphere. The last time he visited Bethany, Jesus heard these words from his friend, Martha. Martha, the sister of the dead man said to Jesus, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. And Jesus, eliminated the stench of death and manifested the glory of God. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind. The root word there for unbind, and this will be important later, is aphemi. 
Afemi. Unbind him, loose him, and let him go. The glory of God overflows in Bethany. The overflowing glory of God defeats the stink of death. And how do the people in power respond? Before we answer that question, let's take a time out. I want to be sure we understand the context, the setting, and we hear the story that John is telling. What story is the beloved disciple telling and why does he want to tell this story? John wants us to believe The spirit who inspired the beloved disciple of Jesus wants us to believe in the Son of God and receive the life found in him. John tells us as much at the end of this gospel when he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. So that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. In other words, all the libraries in all the world could not contain the books that would need to be written if John was to record everything Jesus did and said. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing you may have life in his name. And the people in power The religious people of Jesus' day who maintained the scrolls, the chief priests, and the Pharisees who curated the oracles of God, who had witnessed a man dead for four days come back to life, beyond the shadow of any doubt, they had beheld resurrection. And what did they do? John tells us in chapter 11, verse 47, So the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the council and said, what are we to do? This man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and destroy both our place and our nation. Because their power was being threatened, the truth of resurrection did not matter. Not even the raising back to life of a man from Bethany who was four days dead could overwhelm their lust for power. So they made plans. Plans to put Jesus to death at Jerusalem. But chapter 12 begins in a very unexpected way. There in Bethany, they gave a dinner for him. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. There they gave a dinner for him. Moments before the most important week of Jesus' life, a day before Palm Sunday, the first day of the week that would divide human history into A.D. and B.C., Jesus gathers with some very dear friends and shares a meal with them. How does Jesus do such a thing? I'm taken aback by how ordinary the experience turns out to be. Passover is quickly approaching. Everyone is busy on their way to Jerusalem to purify themselves for the festival. I wonder how many of them passed by this ordinary house in Bethany on their journey to Jerusalem. Inside this ordinary house, the Son of God, the Messiah, 
the resurrection and the life, the way to God himself, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the second person of the Holy Trinity, through whom heaven and earth were created, the one in whom all things hold together. This one could be found sharing a meal inside that house with two sisters and their brother. Why? Why does John include the story and tell the story the way he does? If you read the gospel from beginning to end, the first verse to the last verse, one of John's prominent themes is the absent of absence of Jesus. John 13, 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. John 14, starting in verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus says, I will come again and I will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way, the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? The absence of Jesus. One more, John 14, starting in verse 16. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. The absence of Jesus plays a key role in these three readings, but also in the whole gospel. Gordon Fee reminds us that Gospels are biographies of Jesus told for pastoral purposes. That means the Gospel writers told Jesus' story with churches and all their issues in mind. John's churches, the same churches who received his letters and the revelation, were haunted by Jesus' absence. They were finding it difficult to believe Jesus was raised from the dead because to quote a mentor of mine, Jesus had gone away and everything was not okay. According to what John teaches, the Spirit is given to the church to be the presence of Jesus for the church. The Father, Jesus says, gives the church another advocate so that Jesus can promise the church, I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. Do you remember what John recorded to Jesus, that Jesus is saying to the seven churches of the Revelation? Jesus says things like, I know your works to the church, your toil, your patient endurance. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for the sake of my name. To the church in Ephesus, John writes, these are the words of him who hold the seven stars in his right hand, who, Jesus, walks among you the seven golden lampstands. By the Spirit, Jesus continues to reside with his friends. How so? Around tables. Prepared tables and formal tables like the communion table, but also around organic and informal tables where friends share pancakes, sausage, and coffee, and maybe even pizza and quite possibly even warm tuna casserole. Beloved, I have discerned Christ most present at tables. Tables where I find bread from heaven and the cup of salvation, 
but also tables where I find the fears and tears, the laughter and love of friends. Within the past two weeks, I have trusted and found Christ to be attending tables at men's breakfast, at this communion table, tables at Monday morning Bible study, tables at Sandwich Church of the Nazarene on Wednesday evening, and at the Samanach Christian Preschool staff meeting table on Wednesday afternoons. Beloved, this communion table and the graceful presence of Christ we discern here trains us to recognize Jesus' presence at all tables. Dear brothers and sisters, let us not be counted among those who pass by ordinary tables, like the ones at the house in Bethany, and miss the grace of finding Jesus there. At that ordinary house in Bethany, Jesus was extravagantly anointed as heaven and earth's true king. At that house, where not many days before the stink of death hung heavy, now that same house is filled with the fragrance of Mary's perfume. Pure nard, enough to feed a poor family for an entire year. In this scene, Mary assumes the role of provocative prophet. Like Samuel anointed kings Saul and David, Mary, the sister of the one Jesus had raised from the dead, appoints him to be the king for which all creation groans. Not only is Mary an all-important prophet, she is an exemplary believer. Remember, John tells this story so that we come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, God's son. What does it mean to believe? Jesus helped me understand this a bit more at a table this week. To believe is not to know beyond the shadow of a doubt. Beloved, to know beyond the shadow of a doubt is not faith, it's certainty. Beloved, salvation is not by grace through certainty. Salvation is by grace through faith. The chief priests and Pharisees knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, but they did not believe in Jesus. Beloved, Jesus loves us and longs for us to receive and return his extravagant love. That is the faith of Mary, the provocative prophet. That is the faith that is evidence that God's grace has saved us. Beloved, that's what faith looks like, the extravagant receiving and returning of love. Beloved, this does not happen by trying to love Jesus more. Instead, it happens by receiving the love God has to offer us. John, the beloved disciple, writes to the churches in one of his letters, we love, why? Because he first loved us. How does he offer us this love? There is no clear, unmysterious answer to that question, but here's what I know. Jesus expresses his love to us through us. Jesus expresses his love to us through us. And that love to us and through us is best expressed at tables. 
If you've been joining us online regularly, may I invite you to come to an in-person gathering that you might come to this table. Not because you know beyond the shadow of a doubt, but come to this table because you believe and want to believe in Jesus more. And to do that, we must come to this table to receive love from the one who loves us. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, would you now speak your healing word to each of us who need to know more that you love us extravagantly and you desire us to receive and return that love extravagantly. Help us to know that you give us your love. You express your love to us through us. May we receive the love that you have for us through us at the many tables we gather each week. So we set apart this table to be a space where we receive and share the love of God. We set apart our Monday afternoon tables where we have Bible study to be a space where we receive and share God's love. We set apart the tables at Sandwich Church of the Nazarene. We set apart the tables in our fellowship halls. We set apart all of the tables in this space. We set apart tables in our homes to be places where we receive and share the love King Jesus, for especially those who struggle to love you more, but who want to love you more. Share your love with them unconditionally that our hearts may be softened to receive that love, that we may share that love. We pray through the Son and by the Spirit and all of us said together, amen. Thank you for joining me for this online gathering. I again invite you to our in-person gatherings at 10 a.m. each Sunday. I now also ask you to receive our final benediction. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. And all of us said together, amen. God bless you. May everything good be yours in King Jesus.